The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that I Allah, my tongue's all tied this morning, <clears throat> Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. And if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you'd like to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Scroll down on the right side of the page till you come to the second video there. You'll see us where we're live streaming. Click on that, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then click on the icon there and join us in the chat. We usually have a lot of friends in there uh, this morning, and so uh, you'll find a lot of people like mine. You might find some strays in there, but uh, usually people are of the same mindset. Right above that is Bradley's show from the previous day. So uh, if you missed that, you can catch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and then he will be live right there. We're also live on BeforeIt'sNews.com. We're on our flagship, so to speak, on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're on DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty, as well as Twitch on Setting Rush Fires and Roku. If you've got a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV there. And then uh, right above where we're streaming live, there's an area here where you can sign up for a newsletter. Remember, we don't spam your email, sell it, or rent it to anybody. You get one email from us a day, including the morning show archive. So later this morning, if you're not familiar with it, uh, I archive the show. It's got video. It's got a podcast. It's got everything that we'll talk about, the link to uh, the article we're going to talk about. And our guests, because of our guests today, uh, we're going to be offering a special promotion. So you don't want to miss out on that. That link will also be in there as well. If you would like to help us out in what we do, we never ask you for money, but it does cost money to do things we do. Uh, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation. 
or you can also become a son or daughter of liberty. That's our monthly partners, and uh, you click on that. You can set that up. That's at the top of the page as well. And then don't forget our store. We've got lots of, lots of products in there that are great conversation starters, um, you know, dealing with uh, our history, our founding fathers, uh, scripture, and then we have some equipping tools in there as well. Take advantage of those things while you can. And, um, yeah, that, that helps us, that helps you, and your sphere of influence that the Lord's put you in. Now, today we've got a very special guest, and, I, you know, I use the term live because we're having to pre-record due to the time restraints of our guest because he's more towards the West Coast. And uh, Sam Jacobs has been on the show with me before. I don't know if he if Sam was on when it was setting brush fires or after we changed to Sons of Liberty. Um, but he has been on with me before. I'll have a link to that previous interview also in the archive. But uh, Sam is sort of the residential historian, if you will, for Ammo.com. And uh, it's it's my privilege to have Sam come and join us here on the Sons of Liberty. Good morning, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Happy to have you. And uh, yeah, we, we've got uh, Sam up as a, a little cartoon icon. <laughs> <laughs> he is not a camera guy, and that's okay because the important thing is the information that we're going to be talking about. And this relates to one of a, a previous article that Sam has done at Ammo.com. And Ammo.com is uh, so gracious to let us carry their articles on Sons of Liberty Media. And uh, this one is called A Distributed Capacity for Violence, A Brief History of Weapons Technology and Political Power. And Sam, can you give people like in a nutshell, and then we'll break it out in a nutshell, what you're getting at when you're talking about uh, this uh, brief history of weapons technology and political power, because they do go hand in hand. Yeah. So basically the thesis of the article is that um, American democracy and uh, the American Republic, let's call it, uh, and Republican governments in general have tended to rest upon a armed citizenry that can do meaningful violence. And this is the kind of important part of it here is meaningful violence is doing a lot of lifting there because um, the, the simplest way to put the question is the oft flogged one. Uh, what are you going to do against a government with nukes? And I find the kind of knee-jerk conservative and libertarian response to this to be wanting for the simple reason that I think that Americans are a threat to the American government in a way that Afghans are not. And I suspect that in the event of some kind of, you know, um, peasants getting the pitchforks and torches and storming the castle kind of situation. I don't think that they would hesitate to use nuclear weapons or directed energy weapons or some of these kind of nightmarish DARPA technologies that would be too out there to use on, uh, you know, the, the third world provinces as it were. But I think that they feel that they could get away with using them at home. And there's this concurrent kind of, you know, rise of the uh, centralization of political power in the United States in the hands of the federal government. You have the centralization of economic power in the United States through the Fed and through the income tax uh, and through, you know, the massive and Byzantine regulatory regime that has replaced legislative law in this country. Um, so, what we really have is this kind of perfect storm for stripping back the traditional, um, you know, liberties and the traditional American way of life. And I think that we need to be very, very honest about what it is that we confront. But with that said, I'm very, very optimistic about where things are going in this country. And I know people find that to be kind of strange, but um, I, I think things are going very, very well. Okay. All right. Now I know right off the bat, people are going to go, what planet are you on, man? Okay. So give us a little bit of your optimism 
for the country because um, you know I all around I see and we point here at the Sons of Liberty to things like Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, even pointing back to the history of how God dealt with His people Israel in the Book of Revelation and uh, and bringing judgment upon them and so but I'm opti- I'm optimistic too. Now I don't think I don't think things are going so well right now. But at the same time, I see some optimism, and maybe you can, maybe we're of the same mind that I see people starting to open their eyes as to what actually is taking place, and they're beginning to speak out, they're beginning to stand up, they're beginning to bring lawsuits, they're beginning to do things like this. And I'm wondering, is that what you're talking about, about how you're seeing things go with regard to this issue? Well, yeah, but also just from a purely kind of. Um I mean, I think that, first of all, the point that you raise about, you know, what the Bible has to say about all of this is important. And I think that people, you know, should always with in the back of their head have, you know, we know how this story ends. Um, but I also think that, you know, I, I, I don't really like write off the possibility that before we see the second coming, we will endure uh, tribulations that are greater than anything people have. Oh, absolutely. Endured, endured yeah, absolutely. Before. Um, and, and, you know, and human history may continue for 10,000 years after that. I mean, I have a very long and broad um, historical view. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very familiar with Christian persecutions throughout history. I'm very familiar with Christian persecutions in places like China and the Arab world and Africa today. Um, and so I think that, with with regard to that, like we 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 do well to have some kind of you know perspective, um, but I think more to the point of optimism in the short term because I kind of have like there's two things going on. On the one hand, I find the technology, the weapons technology, the surveillance technology, to be extremely troubling because I think that it opens the door for a um, totalitarian state the likes of which we even you and I living today, I think would have difficulty conceiving of just how invasive and oppressive it could possibly be. Um, On the other hand, where's the, where's the great victories of the Biden regime? Where are they? What have they gotten done? I mean, they have this infrastructure bill that they got a third of what they wanted. I'm not denying that there's lots of bad stuff in it. There clearly is. But when we talk about that, then we got to start talking about enforcement and where the rubber meets the road and what are they act. I mean, this vaccine mandate is not going to happen. And I was cautiously optimistic from the start that it wouldn't happen and then ramped up into full on optimism about it after the Southwestern pilot strike, which was a strike. You know, they're not legally allowed to strike in the traditional way. And, and I'm from a labor family, so I know how this stuff works. So what you do is, is you do what's called work to rule. You can't go on strike, but what you can do is the the caricature of a union employee. That's not my job. About everything that's not your job. And in the case of a pilot, you know, all or a truck driver or lots of other professions, all that kind of extra stuff that they do, that's very very simple. I mean, my father once um wouldn't sweep a a floor that he needed to uh lay chalk on. Um, because they were doing work to rule and it wasn't his job and you need to go find a laborer because I don't sweep floors. And so there's all kinds of like stuff that builds up and piles up that causes the, you know, that's the monkey wrench in the works. Um, And so I just am not seeing any evidence of these great successes of the Biden regime. I see a lot of failure and embarrassment and insecurity. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I see some, I see some of that too. I see some of the advancements though, um, of pushing some of these things that have, that have, that have, that he assigned with his executive orders and stuff where he's doing these. And a lot of those are, are unconstitutional in the fact of what they're trying to present. But I agree with you in that. And I'm not, just so you know, I'm not a doom and gloomer. I'm not a looking for a tribulation time. I, I realize that yeah. we go through, we entered the kingdom of God through many persecutions. Don't get me wrong in tribulations. That's that's just a given at all times. Uh, I'm one who sees the great tribulation in the past, in 70 AD, uh, that came upon Jerusalem, which Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24. But, okay. um, but at the same time, I'm very optimistic 
because at the same, you know, I go to things like First uh, Corinthians 15, where I see Jesus is on the throne. He is ruling and reigning now. Uh, he told us to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so even though tyrants come up and, you know, now and again through history, you were talking about that before, and John Bunyan wrote about that in his famous Pilgrim's Progress, that, you know, occasionally there's this beast that comes up from time to time and it tries men. Um, and he's talking about a tyrannical government. It, it comes up and it tests men to see, are they going to submit to the tyrant or are they going to submit to God? And so I, I do see that. Now, let me let me start off and read just a, a little thing here, the, the, the introduction to your, your article, and then let's, let's jump off from there. You write, the Constitution contains a powerful set of ideals and a wise system of government. Governance, based on a deep reading of classical and medieval history as well as Renaissance philosophy. However, none of this matters if no system of force is in place to keep and defend the Constitution. Ultimately, this this is what the Second Amendment is about: a a distributed. I'm having a tough time here this afternoon. A distributed capacity for violence guaranteed to private citizens so that they may serve as a check and balance on the power of the state. America's founding fathers understood an uncomfortable truth. Behind every law is the implicit threat of force, and behind every vote is the implicit threat of rebellion. Such a bargain is what holds a free society together, and no society with a wide power imbalance remains free for a very long time." Now, I know that you guys do a lot of writing on Second Amendment, and uh, you do have some stuff on militia. Are you getting at the, at the point here to where you see not only the weapons, we, we talk about the right of the people to keep and bear arms, uh, shall not be in France at the last part, but also the, in what the Constitution it says, uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, that the militia is the law enforcers of said laws, so do you tie that in with how you're seeing this political power structure and things of that nature? Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sort of like sympathetic to arguments about the um, special role of sheriffs in this country and also um, about, you know, the, the, the role of the citizenry in keeping the peace and keeping order and things like that. Um, so I think to a, to a degree, um, mostly though, what I'm talking about there is, is the way that, you know, one, one way to kind of conceive of the way that the United States government is set up, right. Is that like the, um, there's a delegation of, of, of power that happens, you know, and I, I, my gut is to say it's bi-directional, you know, that there's, that there are powers that the municipalities delegate to the state that the states delegate to the feds and vice versa, that the feds delegate back down. Um, And one of these, and I would argue that this is expressed in the second amendment is security defense, however you want to, um, you know, term it. But the problem comes in when the, I mean, when this was done, when, when this, you know, the original, what you might call the original distribution of, capacity for violence it was a much more level playing field and one of the things that i think that conservatives and libertarians and people on the right have a tendency to hand wave and not seriously engage is the degree to which this power has become imbalanced um and i i think that it's a real problem that really needs reckoning with uh, and and that was kind of what we wanted to get at with this with this piece is that, you know, I mean, the thing the thing that I talked about when I started this little uh, riff that I'm on right now about, you know, the power of the the power of the country and, and that kind of um, constitutional philosophy is like, that's all cool and everything. But that and five bucks will get you a gallon of gas like. At the end of the day, this stuff doesn't really matter that much if there's no um, mechanism for enforcement. And we had, we had Tho Bishop on the show, uh, who's a you know podcaster and writer and does a lot of work with the with the Bay County Republican Party down in Florida. And 
he talked about, you know, liberty as a social right. And this is kind of what it means is that, you know, your, your liberty kind of only matters as much as you can express it. And I am a proponent of the concept of natural law and natural rights that flow from that. But I think that we need to be realistic about, you know, how kind of, um, real that stuff is when compared to tanks and guns and directed energy weapons and nukes and um, invasive surveillance technologies and the capacity to control uh, economic activity and things of things of this nature that I don't think are just, you know, things we can hand wave away or frankly, you know, like, appeal to the constitution for, because I think that the constitution is great. It's a great document. I think that it is. um, I think that the founders built better than they knew. I think that they were wiser than they even knew that they were. I think it's a very, very well-designed system of government that they, um, that, that they came up with, but like it needs teeth or else it's just a piece of paper. Okay, so let let me ask you, what would you say are the teeth that need to be in that? Are you saying we need to equal the playing field? The people need directed energy weapons. I mean, let me let me get your mindset on that. Uh, are we needing nukes? I mean, what, I mean, you you said you said something to that effect uh, about before you were making mention of that. What in your mind is the teeth here? Well, I think tanks would probably help. Um, I don't know that nukes or directed energy weapons, you know, even like taking it as a given that, that you know, we the people could procure such a thing. Um, I, I don't know that that would solve the problem. Um, I think that because then it becomes like, okay, you know, we've got 10 and they've got 10 million. And it still is a radically unequal playing field and, and um, acquiring things that are, you know, on the level of the wealth investment in a nuclear weapon is like, it's not something only a state actor can do, but it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty elite uh, reach to get. So what I think is, well, first of all, I think that there's a number of decentralizing technologies that are uh, coming down the pike. Um, I think that, you know, you don't think much about it, but um solar panels and the improvements in solar technology make it easier for people to build off-grid housing, which allows them to become more resilient and anti-fragile. I'm a big proponent of blockchain technology. I know that this is sometimes a controversial view, especially among conservatives and constitutionalists, but I think that uh, blockchain technology offers the opportunity to undermine centralized currencies pardon me getting over a little cold here um you know and to kind of take the power back from uh central banks which i think is absolutely a a crucial thing to do i'm not Amen. casting shade at anybody who's a, more of a gold person um but i do think that if you think that blockchain is necessarily a new system of control for the economic system of this country um i i would respectfully submit that you maybe are misinformed um, and I think that politically we need to look for ways to decentralize power, which I think are, are happening. And it's another reason why I maintain optimism about the kind of trench warfare of political life in this country over the next few years, because I think that the, um, you know, decentralization, I think is, is really the, the watchword here. And I think that we're getting it. And I think that states in particular standing up and being as bold as nullifying, openly nullifying federal law uh, is is a good thing. I mean, if we want to just take a one of these kind of big wins that was all over the news, there's, of course, the heartbeat bill in Texas, which I think, you know, kind of speaks for itself on a on a moral level, um, on a, on a strategic level, it has, uh, really chipped away at Roe v. Wade and given a strong place for, for, you know, to stand on when challenging that, but also, 
it acts as repellent for liberals who want to move to Texas. Um, and, and, and I, and I would argue that to a lesser degree, anytime a state bucks the, the COVID cult and anytime the state, uh, state governments do something like enact uh, constitutional carry, you know, that these are things that are repugnant to the types of Californians that you don't want in your, in, in your state. And I think Californians get a bad rap because I actually think a lot of people are leaving California with, for all the right reasons and are very aware of what those reasons are. Um, but, you know, you want the, you want those Californians moving to your state, not the ones who, you know, like baby Huey, just stumble into a room and sit down and break everything and wonder how it happened. Um, and I think that we really are forging new connections in this way because of the upheavals that are that are going on and it's driving all of this decentralization. Um, so, you know, I'm very, I'm very optimistic about what, like, that's kind of maybe why I'm optimistic because if you put your, if you're like bar for success is, you know, a, 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 a blow by blow repeat of 1776, I think you're going to be disappointed by anything that happens because I just don't think that history repeats in this mechanical kind of way. But I think that more to the point, I don't really think that we have reached the point where all is lost or really are like as close to it as a lot of people think. I mean, I think we can certainly see it in the distance, but um, you know, I, I think that for the most part, the small victories that we're winning on a day-to-day basis are significant. And I think that they are slowing the progress of this hyper-centralization of power. I mean, to speak specifically to the capacity for violence and its distribution, I don't know the latest news on it, but the last I read, they were going to decertify the Oklahoma National Guard because they wouldn't all get the uh, the jab. Yep. And, and good and for them. Right. And it's like, how is that not a... That's like one of the biggest victories I maybe have seen in my life. The Oklahoma militia's back. What more do you want? Well, yeah, I and I totally agree with you. I see these these little victories going along. We um, Bradley had a gentleman from up in Minnesota, and he was fixing to. He has a lot of um, experience with this. He was going after the school board, and I think the school board was engaged in basically putting pornographic books in you know the kids' library. And uh, so he said, well, the way we're going to deal with them is we're going to be uh, not dealing with them as a school board. We're going to deal with them as individuals. And he laid it out. He said they're responsible individually, $250,000 each that they can be fined uh, for what they're doing. And um, so that was, you know, he knows how to do it and everything. He's taking it. Those are little victories, too. Uh, the, the, The people, you know, basically, you know, giving the finger to the government and saying, no, we're not going to take your, your depop shots. We're not going to do that. You have no business telling us what we put in our bodies because we have autonomous, we're autonomous creatures uh, over the sovereignty of our bodies under God, obviously, but, but we're in control of our bodies and you don't tell us what to put in because if we tell them, if we let them give us a shot, well, then we can let them, uh, they, they, we've already succumbed to that and said, well, you can put whatever you want in our bodies. And that's a problem, too. So I'm glad to see, like what you said, they're doing that. So this is offsetting, and I'm all for decentralization. People will tell you I bring up the issue of secession. Um, I bring up the issue of what you know Thomas Jefferson wrote, that we should dissolve uh, a government that's gone beyond the, the place of where it protects our rights, and now it's infringing on them just like they were faced with. So I'm all for those kinds of things, and I'm all for any kind of technology that we can use to do that. I see the benefits of blockchain. I also see uh, where you know the feds are trying to push their own basis for their own cryptocurrency and stuff. And you right. can bet your bottom right. dollar when they come in and do that, they're going to try to outlaw anything else that isn't there. They're just going to try to do it. Right, and I, that's the thing is like you know, I mean, to me, blockchain is it's like it's like the internet as a whole. You know, the internet on the one hand offers the potential for the state and its toadies in, in, in big tech to monitor your communication and control you. 
But on the other hand, you know, we're doing this and then it's, it's lowered the bar for entry to media, whether it be podcasting or writing. And, you know, for better, for worse, everyone can kind of get out there and have their say more or less. I mean, there's obviously conservatives are targeted by big tech and I'm, I'm certainly not downplaying that. It's something I sound the alarm bells on constantly, but all things considered, you know, the internet has been, has, has, has really been a blessing for the right in terms of its ability to communicate and to get the, get the truth out. And I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, the Biden regime has been such a failure because the things that they expect you to believe are just so wildly at variance with reality that they, that they um, require this level of credulity that the average American just doesn't have. I mean, I think Americans are kind of naturally inclined towards skepticism towards their government and certainly there's lots of people who don't have a skeptical bone in their body but i think as a whole americans are pretty inclined towards skepticism um toward the government and you know we've i'm sure you have and i'm sure you know lots of people who have who've asked this question you know for decades when is it going to be enough when are americans going to have had enough you're there this is it americans have had enough the shot is too much and it's not. And that's the thing, too, is, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm recovered. I haven't I know nothing about the relative merits of the shot. I know I read about a lot of people getting sick from it, but that's all. That's literally all I know about it. I just opted not to get it because I'm young, I'm healthy, I've recovered from covid. Um, if I were older, I would maybe take a little closer look at it. But what I think they're dealing with is is both on on the one hand the type of American who hears, well, now you have to do it and just says, okay, now I'm not, I was kind of thinking about it, but now you told me I have to. So now I'm just not. And then on the other hand, there's the American who says, well, I got vaccinated, but I don't think that somebody should have to, you know, because they're aware of the risks of COVID and they're aware that they're not very great, particularly if you're, you know, under 70, not overweight, don't have COPD or diabetes or something like this. Um, I also think that there's a much smaller group that is in that video that you played at the beginning who just see this as, as an act of submission to tyranny. And that, by the way, is also how I view it. I mean, it's, I, I always want to stress that the vaccine is very academic for me because like, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm recovered from COVID. So like, I don't need to evaluate it at all. It's entirely an academic exercise for me. But I do really admire, and Chris Skye up in Canada is doing a lot of stuff with this, you know, the, the people in places where they've done vaccine passports and mandates and things of this nature, who've stood up and just said, you know what, I'm vaccinated and I'm burning my vaccine passport. Yep. Or I don't, you know, necessarily think the vaccine is bad but you know for my health but i won't get it because i consider it to be an expression of tyranny and i think that the, you know i've ta- i've 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 kind of done the cost benefit analysis on it and said you know i mean i think that like the 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 question that gets bandied about a lot about like in 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 christian circles about like is this you know the mark of the beast or or something like that? I mean, I think that um, uh, I, I honestly have no idea, but I, I suspect it's probably not. Um, but I do think that regardless of whether or not it's you know the biblical the capital uh, T you know biblical mark of the beast or not, I do think that it is an act of obedience to tyrants, um, and I think that it's very very. Uh, brave and inspiring how the various ways that people have resisted it, you know, as they find, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, as they find appropriate opportunities for themselves, you know, it doesn't have to be all one thing. It doesn't have to be this cookie cutter thing. People find their own way that meets their comfort level and that meets their opportunity level. And I think that, that we really have a lot of inspiring stories out there, not just about COVID resistance, but about resistance to um, CRT, which I, you know, I, I, I consider, frankly, to be demonic um, and resistance to the uh, gender ideology that's being pushed in schools, which I also think is demonic. Um, so I think that 
you know, God tests us, but the purpose of the testing is not to crush us underfoot or to break us. The purpose of the testing is to show us what we're made of and That's to right. kind of, you know, sort the wheat from the chaff as it were, but also, you know, like, um, what's, what's Moses without a challenge to rise to, you know, he's just hanging out in the, in Pharaoh's palace. That's right. Um, so, you know, we need these challenges and I, and I like, you know, I, I am not, I am, I am the first to admit that like my, my, my faith is often wavering, but one thing that I very, very, strongly believe about about the present moment is that god is giving us an opportunity um that we this is not a a moment of defeat or a moment of um you know even probably great tribulation i think that it is a moment that provides an opportunity for uh Christians and conservatives to really lead and to really take this country back. Amen. Amen, Amen Sam. You, look, I'm going to tell you, you, you know, you've been on before. We had, um, um, gosh, the name's forgetting me. Who's the guy who was over there before? Uh, at we, the, the, um, I don't know who else they've sent on podcasts. Honestly, no, but he was I've the guy. Podcast guy yeah, he forever. was the guy I first got in touch with. Ah, I'm just dropping the name for some reason. I feel really bad about that. Could have been Alex. Alex. Yes, we had yeah. Alex Horseman on on the show uh, before, and we talked with him. And I apologize, people. I've, I've got a busy house here uh, with children <laughs> chasing a cat that has gotten away. Uh, but in any case, you know, we, we had him on. And so you guys have a little flavor of, of who we are here. We're very optimistic. I You made mention of the Mark of the Beast thing. I don't get into that with people because I say, look, there's a Mark of the Beast that happened in the first century. I can point you to it. I can show you what it is. I've done a whole show on it. And at the same time, it's like what you said, God tests us. When we go in the Old Testament, we go back to like Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, God says he sends false prophets among the people to test them to see whether they love God or whether they're going to love a liar. And tyrants are liars. They're, they're, right. they're lawbreakers. That's the whole thing. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is that we are being tested and we, we either come out refined on the other side of it. I, I like how you put that. What's Moses without a challenge? What's David without Goliath? You know, yeah. all of this kind of stuff that, that builds the character that shows forth that they have real faith. Um, so I, I think that's a really good thing. Let me, let me go to a couple of examples here. You, you've got uh, the Roman Republic. You also appeal to Greece in this. Can you give us a little flavor of both of those and how this fits into your perspective that you're talking about? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a big admirer of classical antiquity. I mean, I think that there's like some obvious things about it that are different from now that you, you can't you can't turn the clock back. Uh, but I do think that you can learn a lot from history and that you can emulate, you know, the spirit of an age. And I certainly think that the founders um, did that because they were not just concerned with the system of governments; they were very very concerned with human excellence and i think that that's one of the greatest things about them and one of the things that really made the american republic what it uh was before it became you know this uh, tyrannical administrative state that we suffer under now uh, i think that the thing that they got from the Roman, I mean, I think they were far more influenced by Rome than by Greece, and I don't really think that that's disputable. And I think that the main thing that they got from Rome was the need to decentralize power and the need to hamstring government. I mean, people talk about the federal government's inability to get anything done quickly as it's like some kind of accidental design flaw and not intentional. It's absolutely intentional. I agree. <laughs> That if you know it's hard to pass a law, it is. There's all kinds of hoops you have to jump through, you know. And I think that's great because I think that we pass, you know. I mean, the Patriot Act is kind of the apotheosis of this, uh, you know, passing laws in the dead of night that no one's read that radically changed the country. And I think that I don't think anybody listening to this needs to be convinced that the Patriot Act is a is a you know, tyrannical oppressive 
law that we still suffer under today that dramatically changed the character of this country that had you know already been going in the wrong direction well let's let's change let's let's address that just a second it's not a law it's a pretended law it is in it is it is not congruent with the uh with the u.s constitution it is violating rights millions of times a day just by its enforcement through the tsa alone so you know let's call it for what it is that's what our founders did um you know when they're writing the declaration of independence they called king george you know his his edicts pretended legislation. So let's call it for what it is, and and that is that we're living under a tyranny. Yeah, and I think that that's like I I agree with that. I agree with that because my philosophical view, and again, like I want to stress that I think that the the enforcement here is really important. That like you need there needs to be a an apparatus in power that insists upon you know something has to be be enforcing. Uh, your your rights as against uh, the state or else the state's just going to run all over you and then these become entirely philosophical arguments but i think that you're right i i would say that the it's it gets to the core of the difference between legislation and law you know the the legislation is unlawful because um, law as i personally understand it kind of can be derived from first principles and uh, you know, and, and the proper role of government is then to arbitrate what the law is using where appropriate legislation to codify the law. Right. So, like, I believe in, you know, you could pass a law saying that murder is legal and it wouldn't make murder lawful is the way that That's I right. always put it, to, put it to people. It's the like you can call a tail a leg and it's 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 still a, a tail kind of thing. Um, but you know, when everyone around you was calling a, a tail, a leg, it's like, <laughs> you're kind of just, you're kind of just, you know, the, 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 the sane person in the kingdom of the mad. So, um, it, it, it becomes this kind of very abstract argument, but I, I do agree with you, you know, and I really take to heart the Ben Franklin, uh, his proposed motto for the United States that, resistance to tyranny is obedience to god i mean i i i genuinely believe that uh when we are judged we will be judged among other things on our cooperation with tyranny that's right um and and, and I, I i think that we are called to resist tyranny whenever we find it and i think that the united states um system of government is designed to hamper and hamstring would-be tyrants um, and is also, you know, a, a, a non, I think it's certainly a non-sectarian document, but I do think that it, you know, without uh, principles of Judeo-Christian ethics, that it's it also is kind of useless because, you know, I mean, a handful of atheists, like that's between you and God. Um, individual outliers are not problematic, but when like, you know, 30 to 40% of your society has nothing in the way of common moral ethics or, or any maybe moral code whatsoever, it's just kind of like this hedonic pleasure seeking, which I think has taken over our society. Um, you know, this is not a, uh, the way that I always put it in kind of a soundbite manner is that the Constitution is written for virtuous, God-fearing men. That's right. And when we don't have, you know, when the when the body politic is comprised of um, men with no virtue and no fear of God, you know, I don't I don't really know how um, useful the the document can be in that kind of body politic because then it just becomes a suicide pact where like you are yeah you know you're 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 operating in good faith but the, the left is not the left just is will think or say and do anything to obtain more power so well and let's be honest the right will sometimes do that depending on what their advantage is too and uh you know i think this is one of the things i find very helpful with tactical civics they're wanting to get the people to understand their civic duty uh, implement things like the the common law grand jury, and then also reestablish the militia. If you know, I see so many benefits to the militia. I see building of community. 
You know, we, we've got volunteered fire department right down the road. Those guys are as thick as thieves. Uh, they, they're in one another's lives. This is what the church is supposed to be anyway in the community. They're supposed to be in right. each other's lives. They're supposed to be doing things together. You talked in here about most people will have, you know, weapons and ammo in their house, but they, they don't have the faintest clue as to how to use them tactically. They don't know how to right. use them in, you know, with, with others, like in a, in a set militia group, an, an unofficial, um, what do they call it? The unorganized militia, if you will. Um, which I think is what the Constitution really speaks to, not a national militia. But, you know, all of those things go together, and they, they're real solutions. To me, they're real solutions that can be employed locally because we're not going to run up to D.C. and do something. We're, not gonna, we're, not, we're just not going to pull that off. I want to play something here. It's about three or four minutes. I want to get your comments on this. Now, this is uh, Matt Trujella. He's, uh, you're probably familiar with him. He's written the book on the doctrine of lesser magistrates. And Matt's a friend of the ministry here, and he was just on last week. And let me play this for you, and I just kind of want to get your comments as to what he talks about when he speaks of the issue of violence being used as a tool. Here's Matt. One thing I want to address with you, because I've heard it over and over again by conservatives, by Christians, by opportunist leftists, is this little slogan that says, violence is always wrong. That is absolutely not true. Violence is not always wrong. Violence is actually a tool. And as a tool, it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It is not always wrong. Christ himself employed it in the temple with the money changers. God himself is declared to be a man of war by the scriptures. Another thing that I've heard is that if you engage in any kind of violence, even the most tepid matter of it, then you're like a, a Marxist. You're, you're a Marxist. You're behaving like a Marxist because you used violence. That's absolutely not true at all. I'm, I'm left thinking when I hear this from people, have they ever considered our own founding fathers here in America? I think a lot of people have kind of this sanitized view of America's founding where there was no violence. But the truth of the matter is there were many acts of violence by America's founders prior to the war ever beginning. If you look at the Stamp Act, massive amounts of violence associated with that over months of time. When you look at the Boston Tea Party, you know, and a hundred other examples, our founders weren't Marxists. Marxists didn't even exist then. So to tell someone that if you engage in violence, you're just like the Marxists is not true. Again, violence is a tool. It can, it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. That's what people need to understand. Um, and Christian men have understood this down through the ages. Um, when you read the writings of the early churchmen, they wrote about just wars. Uh, when you look at so many churchmen over the centuries. Zwingli, for example, died on the field of battle. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, the second most published book in the world, only behind the Bible, he actually was in Oliver Cromwell's army. He was an Ironside, and he killed men while he was in the army. Christian men have always viewed pacifism as a heresy because it is. And the reason this little slogan of violence is always wrong, it's any footing here in America in our day, is because we're a weak, effeminate, pathetic, wealth-drunk, materialistic-driven society that's soft and full of ease. And the truth of the matter is, when you look at the history of nations, almost all of them were founded in the midst of violence, of bloodshed. Now, we want you to learn about a tool that can often be employed to rein in the tyranny of government officials bloodlessly. America may be beyond this point now, but it still needs to be attempted and tried. And as the nation's breaking apart, it's needful for people to understand. I'm talking about the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. It gives a blueprint found in scripture, proven in history, often to rein in the tyranny of the superior authority and the evil they're doing. And we have an evil government. The federal beast has been lawless and outside their constitutional restraints for decades already. And they're about to unleash hell on this nation. 
So I encourage you to go to our website, defytyrants.com, subscribe, and also subscribe here to our YouTube channel. And uh, we'll be releasing more videos in the days ahead. God bless you. All right, Sam. Uh, what do you you know? Matt's talking about that. It seems like he's kind of on. He's on par with a lot of the things that you're saying here. What do you make of that? Boy, I just couldn't possibly agree with it more. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that there's a T-shirt that I like uh, that just says "Violence solves everything," and I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not seeing the lie. Um, I think violence does solve everything. That doesn't mean that I you know, propose using violence to solve every human dispute. That's right. That's right. You know, clearly violence solves things. I mean, it's, it's obvious. Um, I also have a great deal of, you know, this is just kind of one of my super niche interests, but I have a great deal of affinity and affection for the Arab Christians uh, in part because they're primarily Catholic and I'm Catholic. So I can look at them as like, you know, an exemplar of this militant, muscular, very masculine Christianity. Uh, but they, you know, and, and Catholics and Orthodox are, mo- are primarily the, what the denominations they're members of. Um, they do not take harassment lying down. You know, they do not just let ISIS blow into town and run roughshod over them. They go and they get their guns and they shoot back. And they, uh, they're, they're very tough um, people, and I would argue that they are a very godly people, um, and you would have to be to put up with what they put up with and to fight back as stiffly as they do. Um, I also have this, like, you know, it's maybe kind of a fringe interpretation of it, but I don't think it maybe is when people think about it. But everybody knows of the famous uh, scene on the battlefield where. Uh, Constantine was told uh, in this sign conquer you know, in, in the sign of the cross and I personally don't interpret that as like you know God kind of patting Constantine on the back and saying go go get him tiger uh, I think it's really a, a commandment that you know Christian men are to subdue the, the land and, um, and and I think that we are called to that and I think that we really are you know shirking in our in our duties uh, when we are not resisting tyranny in this way. I mean, I recently read the Old Testament, which I may, may have mentioned that I'm Catholic, uh, but I, I recently read the Old Testament. You know, we, we very strongly emphasize the New Testament, and so I had never read it before, and I was um, really surprised because most of the stuff that people find to be very, very boring, you know, God says, go smite the whoeverites, and they go do it. Um, this was one of my, this was to me the most compelling part of the old Testament because it's, you know, God is constantly this idea that, that, uh, God is just this kind of squishy figure who, um, wants you to be non-specifically and generically nice to people in this way that, uh, that, you know, what an amazing coincidence conforms to all of the mores of contemporary liberalism you know, this is just not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is like telling the Israelites to conquer and going. I mean, I was so the Christ versus the money changers in the temple is is one of maybe my one or two favorite events from the life of the Lord, um, because uh, I think it's just I mean, I think there's a lot of events in the life of our Lord that really encapsulate how much of a man God was when he came to earth that I think that kind of, you know, we, 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 we think too much about the God part and not enough about the man part. I agree. Um, and I, I find it very um, inspiring that we have this clear moment in scripture where God in the body of a man is angry you know, almost, almost uh, uncontrollably so, and, um, and and his anger is righteous. Yeah, I Sam. Think is, Sam, can you hang over for just a couple of minutes? Would that yeah. be okay? All right. Yeah. Because I, I need to close out the show here. If you want to read more of Sam's work and uh, some other people have written too, 
over at ammo.com. Ammo.com. And by the way, I'll have a link up. It'll be in the description in the video uh, description that we have. It'll also be in the archive that if you click on that and you make an order of $200 or more, you'll save $15 doing that. And uh, Ammo.com has been gracious enough to to give me that for, for a while, so I'm passing that on to you guys. And uh, we're going we're gonna to just hang over just a couple of minutes because I've got things to do. Alex, uh, Alex, Sam has got things to do too. And uh, But we're going to just kind of pick up this little part here uh, to give some clarity and uh, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. We'll see you at 6 a.m., Lord willing. Adios. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And uh, Sam, <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to do was I just kind of want to touch on that just a little bit. You know, there is there is a little bit of difference that we see in the Old Testament versus the New. And I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm just disgusted when a lot of... Uh, uh, preachers don't want to talk about the Old Testament. They don't want to bring that into the capacity of what the New Testament uh, teaches and square that together. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily a, a big fan of Constantine, but I understand what you're saying. There is the call, though, that we do have all the way back in Genesis, where God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and take dominion over it. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily mean that we're going to go and, uh, you know, like the Islamists do, and uh, we're going to put the, the tip of the sword to somebody's neck and say, we're going to kill you if you don't convert. Uh, that's not our place to do. God does converting. Uh, we do discipling. And, right. um, but but there is a, there's a thing. When you were talking about the Arab Christians, I remember doing reports on this young man from America, and you probably remember his name. I can't even remember his name now. Uh, he had a lot of tattoos on him. He was a young guy. He was bold. He was... I mean, he was the epitome of what you would see as a hero. And when he had chance to come back home here to the United States, he said, I love these people. I would lay down my life for them. And what he was doing was he was teaching them, you know, the QCB stuff and all this other, how to how to take care of, uh, you know, first aid if their people were injured, how to sweep buildings, um, you know, standing with them against when the ISIS forces would come in and things of this nature. It was just a, it was a fantastic uh, in my opinion, a fantastic demonstrate of, uh, demonstration of what it is to love someone, that you're, you're willing to put yourself out there to even die for them, to protect them. So I think that's a good thing. And I think too often, like what Matt was talking about with the violence as a tool, that we have become effeminized, we, we've been neutered as men yeah. in the church, and now we think... We need to give somebody a latte who really needs a good spanking, I mean, for lack of a better term to use there. Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, I think that you kind of can't really talk about anything that's going on in America without talking about uh, fatherlessness and social atomization and, um, you know, the the feminization of, of men, uh, which I think is is very real. But I think that, you know, I mean, I don't, it seems pretty easy and obvious to me that fatherlessness is at the root of this. I mean, there's lots of good men in this country today. Um, and I, you know, I think that if you had a room full of men and said, how many of you grew up in a two parent household, uh, the best men in any crowd would probably be the ones who would raise their hand. I mean, to me, it's just kind of that obvious. You're, you're always a little behind the eight ball when you don't have mom and dad there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was the thing that I liked. I mean, I wrote something about masculinity and Christianity for, uh, for my Substack, And I think that, you know, my uh, kind of go-to piece of culture to recommend to people to see what this kind of masculine, aggressive, active Christianity looks like in America is It's a Wonderful Life, uh, which is one of my favorite films. It's certainly my favorite Christmas film. And, uh, you know, what you see in that film is the contrast between what Main Street America looks like when it's when it's ruled by mammon and what Main Street America looks like when it's ruled by God. Um, and, you know, it's not some horrific, nightmarish theocracy where people are checking your papers to make sure that you've read your Bible that day. It's just that everybody shares a common set of you know, broad, broadly speaking, Judeo-Christian values, and we may quibble over what those are. Um, and I think that that's a fine conversation to have, and I have opinions about that. But I mostly have 
with regard to you know the 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 morality and the code of the of the greater population we live in a country of 330 million people uh spread out over thousands of miles so i err towards what um Eisenhower called uh, the, the term Eisenhower used was, and they and they roasted him for it. But I think it's great, and I don't care what it is. So it's like I don't, you know, I'm Catholic. If you want to have a theological debate, we can do that. I'm happy to whatever. But like to me, the point isn't so much like I don't really care if somebody's a Baptist or a, you know, whatever they are. It's just like, do you have a set? Do you have a guiding moral principle that's based on God and not on the fashions of the day? Um, is kind of what I think any functioning society needs to have. And, you know, whether you're Pentecostal or, or Orthodox or, you know, whatever I, I, is not important to me. I mean, I'm not including the kinds of like phony play acting churches that are just these adjunct wings of the Democratic Party in this equation, because I don't think that they actually do believe in anything. I don't think that they do have anything resembling godly values, but um, you know, even people who belong to denominations that uh, I would have significant theological differences with, you know, I feel that these are people that I can break bread. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I, I, t- I tend to think the same thing that I can deal with people with different different or with differences, um, mainly because of the centrality of Christ. If I have a person who understands they're a sinner and they're in need of a Savior, and they're embracing Jesus Christ alone for that, and as a result of that, they're bearing forth fruits of repentance, I have no problem with that. We can work out the things because we're all not there yet anyway, so we can we right. can sharpen one another in that, and that's true. But the, but the problem usually is is not in that for me, because I meet <clears> – <throat> look, I, I disagree with Rome – um, I disagree with Vatican II. I disagree with the, the idea of, you know, some of the theological things that somehow, you know, Christ has to be reoffered in the Mass and all these kinds of things. But the, but the fact of the matter is, I have met some who are in the Catholic Church who what they say and what they do line up together, which is more what I believe than what Rome teaches. And so... But the thing is, is bearing forth those fruits of repentance, bringing forth the good works of Ephesians 2.10, because Christ has saved us, what are those good works? Well, most of us focus on, you know, loving our neighbor. We care for our neighbor. We care for the poor. We care for the widow. We care for the orphan. Um, we we look out for one another um, and things of that nature. But then there's also these things like what we're talking about, and that is sometimes this might require that we take a step up a little further than that. And that providing and that caring and loving our neighbor might mean that we have to engage in some form of violence. Hopefully, you know, like what what Matt said, we can accomplish it through a violent, a, a sort of a political violence that's bloodless. Hopefully, we can do that. I don't, I don't desire to kill anyone. I, I, I have no desire to do that. Right. Yeah, I find that kind of like yep. wish casting for civil war to be very, very ghoulish and inappropriate. I mean, civil wars are horrific for every for everyone involved um and 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 i think that you know i i find the kind of like tough talk about you know of taking to the streets with your guns i i find that kind of talk to be very distasteful um but you're right i mean it isn't it is an act of it is an act of love it's an act of protection it's an act you know and and i think that as men um we are commanded to do that you know, I don't think it's like it's a nice thing if we can if we can fit it in somewhere. I think that as men, we are 100 percent absolutely commanded to act as the guardians of our society. I mean, somebody put it as like men are the uh, are the uh, immune system of civilization. Yes. And, you know, I think that a lot of the attacks on masculinity and manhood throughout the West have to do with the fact that it's uh, a lot easier to rule over a society where all the men are neutered, controlled, addicted, um, cut out of their son's lives, abstracted from social and community life and fed a steady diet of, you know, this kind of um, thin gruel of contemporary 
values that really has no value other than, you know, if it feels good, do it. Yeah, I totally agree. I t- and in fact, when we're talking about the love, you know, one of the things that we're taught in dealing, whoops, and somebody's printing something, so my system goes off here. Um, but one of the things that uh, that strikes me in what you're talking about is, you know, we're we're taught to be self-governing, and then we're we're taught about governance of the family, the jurisdiction there, the governance of the church, the jurisdiction there, and then the government of the civil magistrate of the of the civil government. And one of the things that we read in Ephesians 5 is, is that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. Not only in living, in teaching her, in washing her with the water of the word and such and such like that, but even going to the point of giving his very life for his bride. And, um, you know, a lot of people will talk the big talk, but when it comes down to actually doing it, uh, many are wanting in that, and I think that's something we've got to build up. Uh, Sam, let me let's close out the show here. You want to tell people more where they can find out about you and um, and things there at uh, ammo dot com. Yeah, so uh, ammo dot com forward slash podcast. You can get a little discount on ammo. We have most common calibers in stock. Um, you also can find me on Twitter at Sam Jacob seventeen seventy six, and that's also my Substack. Substack. Uh, sorry, samjacobs.substack.1776. And you can, you know, find my article on masculine Christianity and some other kind of uh, musings, you know, I not to be like, oh, I'm such a unique uh, snowflake or anything, but I do think that I have a pretty uh, different perspective on a lot of issues of the day than, than you know, you're going to find in kind of more cookie cutter outlets. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. It's 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 really been great. And I love to be able to, uh, talk in these, uh, talk about these issues using the language of faith, which I don't generally get a lot of, of opportunities to do. Um, but, you know, again, as I say, my, 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 I'm not a, uh, I'm a person who has constantly wavering faith, but I'm somebody who also has very, very strong faith that the things that we're being confronted right now um, are the challenges that God thinks that we need right now. And that, um, you know, these are, um, a, a blessing if properly understood. Yeah. Well, you know, and hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, if God, if Jesus is the author of your faith, it doesn't matter how much it may waver, he'll be the finisher of it too. So, um, you know, take heart in that. And, and the fact that Christians must persevere, uh, this idea that Jesus just saves you and you can just go do what you want and this, that, and the other is just, that's not biblical. Uh, you will persevere in the faith. You may, you may falter, you may waver. We see all kinds of people in Scripture who did that, and yet they continue to persevere, and that's the real key there. Guys, be sure to catch Bradley, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and also we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Join us then. See ya.